This show was brought to you by Box. Not Boxed. We're Box. We're not Box. We have no affiliation with Box. I'ma make you sing in falsetto. all over now you can come back down we can talk in this key right here but anytime you want me to take you up baby up on this elevator promise there ain't nothing greater let's take a shower let's take a shower eh, eh. let's take a shower let's take a shower eh. and i will meet you right back here in half an hour Welcome back to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. I'm your host, Kalechi Azia. That was a little bit of falsetto by Dream. Just a throwback classic. And those sounds of the falsetto is what I sounded like when I tried to use some flat tummy tea, which we will get into later in our little current events section, which is sort of the entire show. So if you don't know where you are, you have arrived back. You've made the smart decision to come back to Cake and Kombucha for our fourth ever episode. Cake and Kombucha is a place where you get a nasty nice, not nasty nice. I mean, is that what I meant? No, that sounds like Miss Jackson. I meant like naughty nice. Take on the news, politics, reality TV, dumb social media memes if I find some that strike my fancy. It's a lot of opinion, so, you know, followed up afterwards with some strong investigative journalism. That's how I like to start out my morning, with some NPR, some Times, some New York Times, you know. But, I mean, trust, nothing here is made up. It's just, you know, flavored with some cake and kombucha. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so first, I guess we should start out by acknowledging a momentous historical event, which is the passing of George H.W. Bush, our 41st president. Um, So I was a baby toddler when he was uh, in office. I don't really remember it. Um, But this week, and all the remembrances of him in the news have reminded me of the term compassionate conservatism, which I hadn't thought a lot about in a long time for obvious reasons, but I still feel like it just harkens back to an era where racism was more polite and the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people were ignored during the AIDS crisis. I mean, that's my cynical take, but really the fact that you even need to have the term compassionate conservatism, what is, is that like, hey, even though the rest of my party's an asshole, I'm not, like, what is that? I mean, but... Honestly, we have this fascination with death in this country that is also, you know, it makes sense that it is connected to our fascination with celebrity, uh, which is to say that, you know, watching people grieve and mourn on a large scale, that's something, that's part of our culture. That's what we do. That's what the news cycle covers. So I do feel empathy for him. I feel empathy for, you know, the missionary that got himself killed, like, I feel for their families. I feel for George Bush the way I feel for, you know, him and everyone else that probably passed this week who wasn't famous famous enough for me to know about it. But, I mean, this tendency to sort of put people on a pedestal just because they've passed is one that's a little bit... I just think it's a little bit problematic in these times because there are things that I was reminded of, even, like, with talking to my mother, like the, the Willie Horton episode, which... And then reading a lot of historians remind us now that those kind of overt racial politics and plays, they they led us to the moment where we are now. So it's funny because I do remember feeling like there was a distinct shift where, I guess the best way to put it is that like when I was a freshman in college at Princeton, that's where I met Republicans for the first time. I didn't know any growing up in Buffalo, New York. I'm sure they were there, especially now with social media. You see like the wild things that happen in the burbs and stuff. 
some of these unfortunate Facebook encounters have happened in my hometown area, but I didn't go to school with any. I didn't really know anyone. So that was a lack of diversity in that sense. But when I got to college, I remember meeting people that were like, I'm a Republican and my dad's a surgeon. He says that, you know, the government takes half of his paycheck. And I was like, get money. What you say? What you say? Uh, I was just like, okay, so you you vote because, you know, of this one specific thing. I wasn't even connecting it to, you know, what does that mean about like what how do we want our country structured and how do what do we feel about how everyone should suffer and how wealth should be, you know, spread out or or anything like that. I was just like, I feel you get yours sort of like I don't agree with you, but like I didn't feel like people personally wanted me to get shot by the police if I like rolled my eyeballs wrong. Like I didn't feel like ha ha you blacky blacks, that's what you get, which is kind of what you get when you turn on the media now. I mean, the racism and vitriol that I experienced in 2016, it, it it's just c- compared to the things that I used to go through in my life, which, you know, institutional racism, you know, some teachers discriminating against you and then your parents come to school and have to straighten them out and be like, you thought, you thought, you know, things like that. People ask me weird questions about my hair or like, ugh, I remember one time I was doing a musical at a private school. Like it was an all boys school and I was doing a musical there. I was a girl, I'm a girl, so they needed girls. And they it was they had a lot of money and they were doing like this production of West Side Story and they told one of the this dark-skinned black actor who I knew, they told him, well he was a student, they told him like um, okay, and I know that you have your own makeup you're bringing. Like, this was at the makeup tutorial session. I know you have your own makeup. And to me, they were like, your your skin is a different kind of skin, so you can, you can come. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank you for inviting my human skin. Thank you for deeming it human and deciding that there might be some shade of brown that you could put on my face for this, you know, $50,000 high school production, you idiots. So... All I'm saying is that I feel like we all might feel a little bit of nostalgia for when things weren't so in your face, wrong, but that doesn't mean that it it was was right. Like it just means it was not as sucky. So yeah, like I'm sure he was a great grandpa. You don't have to speak ill of the dead and you can remember the gentle, you know, peaceful ways they live their last days and and you know the the respect that he showed to Obama and kind of a sort of statements statesmanship that we do miss right now. But I feel like putting this emphasis on like his presidential legacy as something to admire is 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 just seems to be misguided and unnecessary and and not it's just unnecessary. So our next story is about this feisty feisty lady. Jamila Jalil. So Jamila Jalil has had it. She's fed up and she's not taking it anymore with these girls on the gram promoting the flat tummy tees. Um, she came for Cardi B this week and Khloe Kardashian aggressively uh, criticizing them for promoting these things on their Instagram, these flat tummy tees. Tell, you know, Cardi B has one where she's saying this is how she lost her baby weight, et cetera, et cetera. And saying, you know, you didn't lose your baby weight this way. It's wrong. It's harmful to promote these products. She even had a parody video she made where she was on the toilet having diarrhea. It was it was gross but effective. Um, and then she upped the ante um, by saying, <laughs> these are my notes rustling because I'm, a, I'm official. She upped the ante by saying that she thinks that airbrushing should be illegal. To which I was like, whoa, 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 girl. Let's back it up. Okay, so first of all, let me say that this is so interesting because I agree with almost everything that she's saying, except I'm just not 100% sure she's the right messenger for this. And I'm very interested in how, how how much she is responsible for the fact that she's in the vessel that she is in and that perhaps she's not the right one to be bringing this information to the masses. So she says it is basically her mission to fight against the way that body image is weaponized against women. Um, She does talk about her own struggles as a teen of having um, eating disorders and using diet teas and um, 
and and starving herself, et cetera, et cetera, based on magazines. And I know she was a model who became, I think, a correspondent, a news correspondent or journalist in England. And then she is now an actress on The Good Place. I should have said that at the top, but but I didn't. So I'm telling you now. And I don't know. She's tall and thin and perfect looking. So my issue kind of is, if you want to tell people she's not only saying these tools don't work she's almost just saying like abandon it completely right but but you have this thing that makes you very palatable to transfer from modeling to another type of hosting on television to being on a you know one of the most highly rated network shows on television right now for that to be your first acting role after never having acted you so you transferred you know from those things seamlessly by being talented and by being beautiful. And I'm not sure that it's enough to just say, don't try this. I kind of think like you have to explain how you are thin, really. How, like, how are you tall and then how are you managing this thing? But don't just poo-poo people that are trying to gain entree into the same things that you are. And I'll get a little bit into, you know, the difference between like a civilian, as we call them, and like, someone who's in the industry. Um, you know, so one thing I appreciate about Beyonce, for example, is that Beyonce has never made it seem like she just rolls out of, even though she has a song saying she woke up like this, the real fans know that she will openly talk to you about how there were times where she only ate a tomato and things like that. Like, I have a slices, a couple, I have some slices of tomato for, for lunch. And, and it's like, I appreciate that because you're being real with the girls. But... I kind of think that Jamila needs to say, you know, like, I don't know. I just, something is not quite sitting right with me about, about it. And maybe you guys could weigh in and and talk to me a little more about that. Maybe I'm not articulating it the best, but I just feel like there's a little lack of self-awareness maybe. I think that's what it is. I think it maybe is a lack of self-awareness to get to the position you're in, to look the way you look, and then say, don't do all these things. It's all stupid. It's all a sham. While you're on you know, the cover of fashion magazines, while you perfectly well fit within the standards of what is very considered beautiful and attractive right now, you're a, you know, ethnically ambiguous. I mean, not really. I mean, if you're not dumb, like you could figure out that she's Southeast Asian, but like, you know what I mean? Has, you know, lightish brown, dipped brown skin and long hair. And, you know, looks, that's what's in right now with the Kardashians, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think some some more introspection is required, maybe some more analysis is required. And then as for the airbrushing thing, like, I mean, she basically acknowledges that she was being a little overboard saying illegal like she wants to you know she's not really calling for that sort of censorship but the idea that some of us can't have a little bit of help you know color correcting or smoothing out things your complexion or whatever happens in airbrushing sessions I mean that's again like you're kind of just saying you're shit out of luck if you don't already look perfect if you take that away now I know she's mostly talking about really distorting women's bodies Um, and making them look way thinner than they are, just generally skewing everything so that everyone does not present the way they actually present. And she had was comparing magazine covers of older actresses like Sandra Bullock and comparing them with like George Clooney and saying, look, 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 he has wrinkles and it's dignified. And meanwhile, they've airbrushed her face until she doesn't have any or she takes really good care of her skin. We don't know. I haven't met her. I'm a fan. Um, But this was all very well-intentioned and I totally respect her. And I also at the same time just knew people were going to turn on her at, a, at the exact moment they did. And they did. Like when she said the illegal thing, like people were just over it. They were like, you're, you're doing too much. But I actually have a funny story about my experience with a flat tummy tear-esque thing. So I was on tour in LA or we were in the OC and I had set up some meetings with agents and managers in LA and I am a New York based girl like I've never lived out there I always heard that for the New York industry like people appreciate people that just look real and you can have you know different body types or whatever but for LA everyone is supposed to be really thin so I like a psycho no but like a woman like very much afflicted by the things that we were talking about I 
looked, you know, I was thick fit in the best of ways. Maybe it wasn't having its moment as much. This was like two years ago. But like there was nothing wrong with me. And yet I just decided that I need to look like perceptibly smaller for this meeting. That I, I thought that someone was going to be like, you need to lose five pounds. No more. Like I just I don't know what I hoped to accomplish. But really, actually, I do have like digestion problems which I mentioned which is why like kombucha like I get bloated and so I was like let me try one of these teas these teas are supposed to take away all your stomach bloat right wrong fake news fake science like don't do these things don't try to spot correct these problems that are holistic everyone don't do it like those sweat vests black people love to put on like trash bags and go to the gym I don't know what that are we all trying to are we all like wrestlers trying to meet a certain category of what like losing water weight like does that doesn't really burn fat i i want someone to explain to me about all these like waist trainers and blah 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 that's those aren't permanent changes but anyway i knew better but i fell victim to it anyway i was drinking this tea my roommate came and found me on the floor of the bathroom rolling around i have never been in so much pain in my entire life it was a whole mess a whole mess and uh, being a crazy woman like I am I think I had lost weight but I didn't notice it because you always just like set the bar higher so looking back I was like you you had lost weight but it didn't matter because it was accompanied by so much pain so anyway I go to LA feeling like I'm a big Whale, and that someone's gonna have to cart me around because all the other little actresses in LA are gonna be scared I'm gonna eat them. Ah, she's it's coming. That's not what happened. Like, true to form, I attracted all the old black men leaving my meetings. Hey, excuse me, would you like to get lunch? I'm thinking you have something to do with the industry, and no, you're in real estate. Okay, never mind. Or then I went out to meet meet my friend from college who's a TV writer and we were in this cafe and like before she'd arrived, there was this like old, like he was like maybe like 55, I don't know, this black man with a salt and pepper beard came up on a motorcycle and this jacket and he was just like super fine. Then he came in the cafe and when she comes in, he's talking to me, like asking me for like my like contact information, blah, blah, blah. And my friend comes in and is like, oh, my gosh, you're famous. You he wants your autograph. <laughs> I was like, no, girl, my only relevance in this world is having a big butt and being young enough to be these men's daughters. That's all they want from me. But it was just a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, it is so nice to be appreciated that you actually thought somebody wanted me for any sort of legitimate reason. Um, I'll tell you what they did tell me I needed to change in LA, my hair. Um, One manager asked me, she looked at my headshot. I have like kinky, curly, like tiny, tiny little spiral curls. Like if anyone follows, um, what's her name on Facebook? The Nigerian girl with like a million followers who does the makeup tutorials. I don't know, my hair is like the exact same texture as as hers. It's tiny. When it's wet, people ask me if I have a jury curl, which is embarrassing and it makes me want to punch them. But anyway, it poofs up into like a tiny little like curly, you know, whatever. And this, so that's how it was in my headshot. And this lady asked me, is there any way to make your hair less wooly? Wooly like Jesus y'all so you know it just goes to show you don't try to fix anything because the thing that you actually think is not a problem is the thing that someone will tell you needs to change i also was asked if i could make my hair more like carrie washington's ooh, ooh, flat tummy tummy flat flat tea flat tummy tummy tea oh oh <laughs> Okay, so to continue our sort of body image issues uh, episode, there was an interesting study that came out that said people who post their fitness routine to Facebook have psychological problems. (laughs) That's not a read. Unless the shoe fits. 
Um, okay, so this was an actual scientific study. I looked at the charts and graphs and results of it. I actually like went to, went through the full article. It was very interesting. I had some negative flashbacks about AP statistics and mapping out results. And I was like, wow, I've never had to use that since then. Um, but anyway, it, it basically broke people down into several like personality groups in the hypothesis, like um, extroverts. And one category was narcissists. And so, so they found that narcissists wrote more status updates about their diet and exercise routine, suggesting that they use Facebook to broadcast the effort they put into their physical appearance. Um, the studies also suggested that people may like their posts, but they're actually sort of being polite and they don't actually like them. So I'm sure we've all had times that we've liked a Facebook post that we thought was kind of braggadocious. But even behind the computer screen, there is some sort of social conditioning where you don't want to leave somebody hanging if they're being self-congratulatory because you are happy for them or whatever, I guess, or happy for their like their heart health, that they ate a bowl of Cheerios or whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. But you also just don't want to, you, you, it, you may have issues with tone. Like you're not, you're not able to, you know, you're not the decider to quote, um, the Bush, I think that was Bush Jr. You're not the decider of people's tones. So you, you kind of do, we kind of do like participate in like perpetuating, you know, not perpetuating, but propagating like more content coming up that we are secretly annoyed by. It's just interesting because even though the study was about Facebook, it highlights something that I have been noticing and observing more when I'm on Instagram, um, which is usually not that much and I'm trying to make it more. So this is new thing for me, guys. Please follow me, engage. Um, Cake and Kombucha is still housed right now under my profile, which is Kalezier, Mother of Dragons, K-E-L-E-Z-I-E on Instagram. So I have noticed that, you know, in the enormous thousands and thousands and millions, I guess, of, of fitness posts and people posting their fitness regimens and their weight loss and et cetera, et cetera, and their body transformations, there seems to be this underpinning of morality as a theme or as if you triumphed against like, I don't know, like if you're Pinocchio and you like climbed out of like the, the whale's mouth or something, or if you, you, what is the, what is the past tense of, of slain? Is it slew? Slew a dragon? Yeah. If you slew a dragon, if you, if you played the game of Thrones and won, I, I, I don't, it's annoying because I prefer that you just put a picture of your butt and just leave it. Don't write something inspirational underneath. There is nothing inspirational about it. It's just your butt and it may be cute and that's great. And I probably will still like the post anyway, but you don't have to be like, the, you know, water is the essence of moisture and moisture is the essence of life. Like it's not necessary. I think it ties into what our dear friend Jamila Jalil is talking about where, well, she didn't exactly get this precise, which I would, I I can't wait for her to like refine her message some more and get into stuff like this. But, you know, just being thin for thin sake, it was in some ways possibly more healthy than this now packaging it as healthy thing, because at least before it was just vanity, right? But now we're pretending, we're tying with our puritanical, you know, cultural underpinnings, we're tying this whole like deprivation and fasting and kind of all of these things that have to do with like depriving yourself and working hard. We're attaching it to food and fitness and health, which is kind of arbitrary if you think about it, right? Because how many of us, are gladiators. How many of us are going to be thrown into the pen with lions and need to fight for our survival? How many of us are even American gladiators and fighting each other with Q-tips, giant Q-tips? Very few. So the point is just that, how did this happen that I'm supposed to, like, I don't think you're a hero because you lost weight. I'm happy if you're happy. I'm happy if you did something healthy for yourself. But if you just went from completely healthy to, you know, a bigger butt and like 
now just more DMs from rappers, congratulations. But not like, not like hero morality, Psalms. I don't need all that. And now a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Do you want to receive things in the mail? Do you pretty much have everything you need already and live a life rich in material goods? Do you have no real need for a stranger who doesn't know you to curate a box of miniature versions of things you'd most likely use a full-size version of anyway? Do you just want to feel relevant? You need a monthly subscription to Box. This highly nonspecific random box will come to your home or office once a month. It's of the highest quality cardboard craftsmanship and has a punchy label. Everyone will be jealous you have the disposable income and common sense to subscribe to a heavy box. What's inside? Doesn't matter. Maybe nothing. But now you have a box. Isn't life better when you have a box to look forward to? Sorry, excuse me. I think my box is here. So while we are going to get into uh, Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, first we're going to get into someone that was creepy in a not sexual way, but who covered all the hallmarks of racism, privilege, just just that sweet spot, that yummy, I guess he would like this word, umami, this this place where he just touched upon everything that's wrong with liberal people in 2018. Um, because your understanding of your own, your own inappropriateness is, is non-existent. So if you haven't guessed who I'm talking about yet, I'm talking about Andrew Zimmern. Hold on, let me check these levels. I'm far away from the mic. No, we good, we good. Okay, so Andrew Zimmern, who has always bothered me with his willingness to eat with his mouth open and just make food look nasty. Make food that's already far out there look nasty. I'm not insulting the cultures of the food of other cultures. I am suggesting that he finds things that specifically perhaps probably are like even unappetizing to some people in those countries and then eats them with his mouth hanging open. Like, if him and Guy Fieri got together, I actually can't think about that or I, I won't have to be able to finish what I'm doing. Anyway, oh, so yeah, it's he has the show Bizarre Foods, if you haven't seen it. So he goes around the world and eats foods. And so he is opening a Chinese restaurant chain, because why not? Um, but... He said, he basically said that he can do this and like it's fine for him to open this by putting down the owner of P.F. Chang saying, well, he's Chinese on the outside, but a rich American kid on the inside. And let me find the exact quote that he said, actually. Hold on. I can't I can't say it better than him. And by better, I mean worse. He said, I mean, was P.F. Chang's not a ripoff because Celia Chang's kid owned it? Zimmern said, referring to PF, referring to Philip Chang's mother, an influential restaurateur in her own right. Because despite how he looks on the outside, he's a rich American kid on the inside, right? What? Did you, did you just, I'm sorry, did you just say that you're more authentically Chinese than him because he's rich? Like, what are you talking about? That is so problematic. For so many ways, first of all, don't ever be talking about what any kind of minority looks like on the outside versus who they are on the inside. Like, you don't have the right. You just don't have the right. You really don't. Secondly, I'm so sick of people pretending that they don't understand at all, like, that wealth does not negate race. I mean, this is such a popular misunderstanding that I have to believe is on purpose for most intelligent seeming people. Like you have to understand that you're still white and it doesn't matter if his mom, who is a famous restaurateur, who you're also disrespecting. And I mean, this 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 statement is insulting in so many ways. But when he went to school, he might have got made fun of for being an immigrant and being Chinese or being Asian when people are being racist, they're not even that specific. So we'll just say being race, a, being Asian, they probably threw stuff at him. They did not to you because you're white. Like that is the difference between being white and not being white. It, it doesn't have to do with income. And I, I hate to use teasing because that's what everyone, you know, on the internet, when you read comments, like people think racism, they think institutional racism is teasing. So I had to use teasing, but I'm just trying to break it down. But like, 
I don't understand how he he possibly could think that. But but then again, a lot of people think that. So like I have a Facebook friend who is a colleague who's he's a senior citizen. He shares a lot of things that are months old and doesn't read the date. So he brought back to my mind because he shared an interview with that that student who was at Yale, the two grad students who had the police called on them for just looking for their common room by this white lady who is also a grad student who makes it her business to do that. She's done it more than once. So I'm watching, and this was at Yale, and so in one of the comments, one of the people said, okay, but wouldn't this be the type of racism that affects the type of African-Americans not usually affected by racism? And I was like, what? You mean the black kind? So with this person that because they're at Yale, which is a whole misconception about like, certainly you have access to things if one if you make it there, but that doesn't mean you're rich because Ivy League schools have great financial aid. But you know, if you go to Yale, you're you're the type of black that doesn't get have racism, except we are literally you're asking this in context of a story about them having the police called on them by a, another grad student for just walking around where they live and existing. So even when we're telling you about a racist story, about an experience, about a, a pattern of experiences, you chime in to say that it doesn't count somehow. I mean, so I guess these are the kind of blinders that we're dealing with. But I, I can't believe he said this. So first of all, then I Googled Celia Chang and she is a very influential restaurateur. She's 98, a woman restaurateur who's 98 years old. Very impressive. She has a James Beard Lifetime Achievement Award. So P.F. Chang came from a restaurateur family and is Chinese. And you have completely just decided that you could, with a with a flick of you know your finger, just remove his his authenticity and try to supplant it with yours, which you got from visiting China a lot and saying things like, "I've always been interested in Chinese culture, huh, sir?" First of all, he he doesn't have an obligate. P.F. Chang, say what you want. I mean, it's a chain, you know. I don't I don't love chains because I'm a millennial, but we'll get to that later. But like. He's not obligated to make what you think is authentic Chinese cuisine because you have exotic sized China and you like to visit there and you have a fetish for it. He can make whatever he wanted, okay? He could make soy hot dogs and say it was Chinese food and say it's fusion if he wanted to. Like I don't I don't understand what what you think he's obligated to and why you try to just tear someone down like that to prove your point. It was a whole mess. And of course, the the next day, there was a very well thought out of apology that was clearly written by a publicist of color. Like they called and him and, and he said, you know, there's a long history of white people exploiting, you know, and this is appropriation. This is a great example of the type of appropriation that is annoying. I, I think I mentioned in the other podcast how appropriation is kind of getting out of control. Like people are calling everything appropriation and it's just becoming another thing for people to pretend they don't understand and complain that, you know, minorities are complaining too much. However, this is a, a perfect example of of what people mean by appropriation. Like, I, I don't understand what gives you the right. And so he then, you know, he has his apology, which is says all the right things, things that you know he had never heard of, you know, the day before he called this PR agency. But then I, because I like to do the deep dive for you guys, I happened to go and actually watch the actual interview in which this was said. And he like casually throws out other stuff. So he, I didn't know his whole story, but he was, um, struggled, struggled with addiction for years and was sent into a sobriety program that took him to Minnesota where he ultimately stayed and like became a famous chef there. So he's working in kitchens in Minnesota. And he said that he said in his words that he tapped into an underground railroad of chefs who went to Minnesota, you know, for the sobriety programs there and the job programs there. An underground railroad, you guys. Choo choo. I don't think that's what it meant. Why are you doing this? Once I heard that, I was like, okay, so anything can come out of your mouth. Like, things as nasty can come out of your mouth as the things that you put into your mouth. So I'm done with you. You always rubbed me the wrong way for the most superficial of reasons. And now I can officially say you're canceled. Good night, Andrew Zimmern. 
Neil deGrasse Tyson. Read from the, the thingy. That's what my notes say. They say to just read to you from his statement, so I'm going to read it. Okay, he says, blah, blah, blah. Men accused of sexual impropriety in today's Me Too climate are presumed to be guilty by the court of public opinion. No, they're not. That's that's me. Emotions bypass due process. People choose sides and the social media wars begin. I don't like him juxtaposing emotions and due process because due process is law and you aren't going to court. You haven't been arrested. Like there's this whole other climate of you know, don't think anything about anything that happens. Don't say anything. And that's unrealistic and it's untrue. If you look at his page, he's got lots of people saying that this could never, ever happen, blah, blah, blah. But basically, the first woman, well, there's several claims. There's three, actually. One was a rape when he was, that he said that he alleges that he raped a woman he was dating when he was in grad school. And Another woman is saying that he she had tattoos of planets on her arms and like at a book signing and he like looked underneath her dress to find the tattoos. And he said, what did he say? Um, As we all know. No, I have a professional history with the demotion of Pluto, which had occurred officially just three years earlier. So whether people included or not in their tattoos is of great interest to me. I was reported to have groped her by searching up her dress when this was simply a search under the covered part of her shoulder of the sleeveless dress. Um, I think, you know, that whatever parts of someone's clothes that are, you know, not covering their body like whatever's exposed is what they wanted to show you and you're not supposed to pull people's clothing aside it doesn't really matter if you studied a planet like I don't who who taught you that because you you've had accomplishments you can just move people's clothes around I can't go up to someone I'm attracted to and just be like pull down their pants and be like it's of great interest to me whether you have that like cut ab thingy you know that men get when their six six packs are just so I just wanted to see something. Hold on. Let me see something right quick. Like, I don't know. That sounds weird. I don't even really feel like talking about this anymore. I'm so sick of these things happening and just watching everybody completely sway which way, you know, they base what they feel on on how uh, successful the guy is or how, you know, much of a warm feeling they gave him when they watched television. So I'm here to tell you that most of the sexual harassment that's happened in my life has happened from older, accomplished men just like him. I could totally see Neil deGrasse Tyson (laughs) being the type of guy that was like, you know, none of the black girls like me in in high school because I was a nerd. And then it becomes a famous physicist and is just trying to like feel up all the tattoos everywhere. I'm playing, but his mustache, but I'm playing. But his mustache, but no, seriously. Like, I don't know, but I just don't like people saying vehemently that it couldn't be him because he's smart. You know, this stuff happens in academia all the time. And the other incident was really, is really sketchy. Like, it was a production assistant on his show that he filmed over the summer who said that he invited her over to have a drink and unwind or that he would offer handshakes to her and then say you know, I'm just giving you a handshake because if I hug you, I'll want more. Yeah, if I hug you, I just want more. He says, my place, I, uh, um, that, she, that she hugged people, but he rejected each hug and offered a handshake. But in its place, I offered a handshake and on a few occasions clumsily declared, if I hug you, I might just want more. My intent was to express restrained but genuine affection. What? You're a weirdo. I don't have anything else to say. If this is what you can come up with to defend yourself, I'm not impressed. I I will, to be serious and, you know, intellectual and fair, I will say that whenever you are responding to something that someone has already said, yes, everything you say kind of does sound like an excuse. So I do feel for that. For, For any men that have ever been accused and they didn't really do anything, like, they do, even if, for those of you guys who like the first serial podcast, like that was so intriguing to me, the idea that innocent people make the worst witnesses because they don't remember stuff. So, but he is saying he remembers these things and he's just offering kind of inappropriate explanations for them. But enough about him. We'll, we'll find out the truth because they're going to do an investigation. And these, you know, things, 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 things done in the dark come to light, honey. So we're going to find out. Hey. 
for our last segment, I just wanted to go through some news stories really quickly. Not spend a lot of time on them, just run through it. Um, okay, so this news roundup, uh, there was an article published saying that the VP of marketing of Sunkist says that tuna fish is struggling because millennials don't even own can openers. I What I say to this is, man up. Okay, develop some marketing strategies. If you're the VP of marketing and you're a big part of your consumer base doesn't even own the means to open the, the can that you're selling, then you need to either figure out how to sell them some can openers or figure out what's happening to your product that people don't want to eat tuna anymore. Um, people are eating less canned fish and, and opting towards more fresh fish, farm raised things that you can get a dig in and things like that because, you know, millennials, we're bougie. We like the best things in life. Rosé all day, baby. Like, I'm so sick of everyone hating on us because of nonsense, but this was just the whiniest thing that I've read in a long time. Like, you're an idiot for maligning the market sector that you allegedly need to stay in business. And he, he his other idea was like, well, we made it into pouches that have like, you know, flavored with, flavored with sriracha. Guess what else? Guess what else millennials don't like? Artificial flavors. Bloop. Okay, the next story. Where are my notes on this one? Kanye West was scolded at a Broadway show. So Kanye West went to see the Cher show, which just opened two days ago, three days ago. And actor Jared Spector tweeted, hey, Kanye West, so cool that you're here at the Cher show. If you look up from your cell phone, you'll see we're doing a show up here. It's opening night. Kind of big deal for us. Thanks so much. Okay, so if it's kind of a big deal, then why don't you focus? Like, not at staring out into the audience. I, obviously, we all stare out into the audience, but usually not so much an opening night that happens after you've done a show like 800 times. Like, I I kind of just feel like, I have mixed feelings about this. It rings to me a little hollow. It ring, It seems like you tried to find the biggest target in the room and and criticize him so that you could, you know, get go viral. I think that adults don't need scolding and Kanye West doesn't have to be at your show. He doesn't have to bring any of the publicity that came, you know, with him coming. I'm not saying that you should be thankful of him or whatever, but just of all, I just, I just, to me, it seems like a, a little bit stunt queeny. That's just how I see it. There are all kinds of old people in the front row of every show that you'll ever perform in that are sleeping. You would never call them out. Joan Rivers came to a production I was in. It was in the round, meaning the stage is kind of on the floor level and the seats were surrounding it. She slept heartily. It was Granted, it was a, a four-hour production, an immersive reta- modern retelling of Greek myths, and there was like food breaks and music breaks, but it's very long. It was like a whole event. But she slept for most of it, and then she took pictures with us and tweeted about how much she loved it. Do you think I was mad at her? No. I don't... I feel a little bit sensitively about, about audience scolding because... Black people in theater are often, we're often treated like we don't belong in those spaces. And, you know, I've had someone, I'm sitting next to someone at like, I think it was 12th night on Broadway. And I literally, the bell hadn't even rung for the show to start. And the lady, like the lady next to me turns to me and says, I hope you're going to turn your phone off. Like the lights are on. Just talking to me like I'm some street heathen and have never been anywhere before. Then she proceeded to laugh at all these parts that weren't really that funny. So I'm like, you don't even understand like what's being said. Um, But it's just very pretentious. There's just a lot of stuff. You know, I have a girlfriend who is an Afro. People complain about her hair and are just rude to her. I mean, there's a lot of aggressive, you know, silencing us, telling us to be quiet. So here this guy who is probably getting text messages from Donald Trump or something important like that. And you're going to try to come for him. You know, he could have been sleeping or he could have been talking. I just feel like it was a little unnecessary. And that's the only time I'm not really defending Kanye. I'm just I'm just a fan of like sincerity. Um, You'll never hear me really defend Kanye about anything. Just just a fan of sincerity. Lastly, Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas got married in a lavish, beautiful ceremony. Now, when I first found out they were dating, I thought it was a joke. Like, my mom was like, oh, Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas. I was like, no, no, you must mean, like, someone else. Like, he's not the Jonas brother that I would sleep with, but that's probably why she's marrying him. Like, that's good for you, sis. But this article in The Cut 
that came out today was so bizarre, just deliciously strange. I don't know why this person was so angry, but she wrote a weird article suggesting that like Priyanka was trying to like trap him and it didn't make any sense. It was like he was 24 when he first texted her and said, um, you know, everyone's been saying that we should meet. And it was like she was 34 and responded, you know, don't message me here. My team will see. Like, here's my number. Text me. And then try to say that her team is arranging all her relationships. Then it, it is accused her of shopping too much. I I'm not really explaining it to you effectively because it doesn't make any sense. But it kind of tried to suggest that Priyanka was the lucky one for marrying a 26 year old. I'm here to say no, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. Blessings to her. I don't, I hope the conversation is riveting, but if I was 36, like I wouldn't, I'm not going to say what I won't do. I, who knows what I will. I, I think she's probably happy and he must be great, but I just, I mean, I think he's the one who has a catch. I mean, she's an internationally known star. She's beautiful. She looks like a human Dora the Explorer, like I loved her on Quantico. Me and my sister loved Quantico. It was just like hot people from all around the world, you know, hooking up and doing a little bit of like solving crimes, not too much. And it was just great. Like I, I would I would kill to be on that show. It, it got canceled, but it was just like perfect. It was kind of like, you know, like the Planeteers. It was like a 3D version of like Captain Planet. Just, just hot do-gooders. Love it, love it. But she... It's just adorable. I mean, for anyone who is brown skin and has a big head, like she's just a role model. Like I, I relate. So I don't know. She just kind of charmed her way into America after being like a massively, massively already famous person in India. So the article just read so it's just wrong. Maybe it was written by a 12 year old because she really seemed to think that Priyanka was somehow like getting more famous by marrying Nick Jonas rather than like him gaining global relevance from it. It was crazy. It was so bad it got taken down. But uh, you guys should find it on the cut or BuzzFeed has written about it and then still has the the archive, like the cash version of it because it's hilarious. Reality TV. If you're not a reality TV fan, you can skip this section and just go straight to the credits. I'm talking to you, longtime listener Antoine Wilson. Antoine is a 90 Day Fiance fan, which he doesn't consider reality TV, but he just thinks those other trashy hoes from Atlanta and in all these other cities, that's reality TV. I don't know. I think they're both reality television because they involve like producing stuff that's, you know, under other circumstances that hadn't been nudged along. You know, people that hate each other wouldn't be on vacation and you wouldn't go have a difficult conversation with your mother about your, you know, mail order bride, like with a producer standing behind you. But I have been informed that like for industry terms, he's sort of correct. But I don't know. In any case, do what you want with that information. Apparently, 90 Day is is documentary, but we're all we're all trashy people for liking it. A 90 Day Fiance, things are still going along. Um, Asuelu and Kelani, they should not be together. She is verbally abusive of him. I don't really understand much that he's saying. Like, I think that this needs to end. But certainly don't make up excuses and be like, the baby's not safe around him. You know, I have more parenting skills than he does because you you've been a parent for six months and you were with the baby and he wasn't. But the point is like, you don't get to, I don't think you can revoke parental rights because like he puts the baby, he put the baby on his shoulders and said in Samoa, we put the baby on our shoulders and things like that. And it's safe. And it's like a six month old or something. So you have to, you know, you have to, he's holding the back of its neck up still. And his, the uncle, her Kelani's brother was really nervous and they were like, it's not safe. And Kalani's like, I need you to like watch him and test him and see if he's okay with the baby. I mean, don't use that as an excuse to not get married because he still has access to the baby anyway. Just don't get married because you accidentally got knocked up. You were tired of being a virgin. You went to Samoa because your dad told you he hates himself and hates Samoans. So you did exactly, you know, you did what you weren't supposed to do. 
And that's what happened. But don't, but, and you, and you, then you felt compelled to force yourself to get married, but you don't have to create all these weird, you know, you know, signal posts in your relationship. Like you don't like him. You obviously don't like him. Um, Olga, Olga and Steven, Olga, you in danger, girl. Steven is crazy. I didn't think I would just be like scared of a 20 year old, but I'm terrified. Like he yelled at her and told her that she was paying too much attention to the two week old and not him. It can't be the baby first. It has to be about me. What? I don't, I don't, what? He said, you, you need to thank me. You don't thank me for everything I'm doing. Like I just set up that carriage and then we didn't even want to go to the park. Homegirl had a C-section. She can't even barely walk right now. This is terrifying. I was waiting for a producer to step in and backhand him in the face. I was like, somebody's going to handle this. They're not going to let him sit here and talk like this to this woman any longer. Um, and then Real Housewives of Atlanta. I wasn't really, I'm, I'm waiting for some more explosive things to happen. But uh, we did find out that Portia's new man gets all of his girlfriend's names tattooed on them, on him immediately. It's like some sort of like serial killer trophy. So Candy knew this. She told the other girls. She told them not to tell. They told anyway. And then Portia gets mad at Candy. You can't always just get mad at someone for saying something that's a fact. You can. Not everything is shade. Not everything is shade. All right. That's it for this week. Um, thank you. I had a little bit of wine. There's a little bit of rambling. There's a little bit of sound adjust- adjustments. I'm a little closer to my radiator, but I hope you guys enjoyed. And I will catch you on the flip side, which is next week. Cake and Kombucha is recorded right here in my living room next to the radiator. It is produced by me, Kalechi Azier, and Jason Torres. It features music by Melanie Charles. And if you like that music, you should look her up on Spotify or to find out about concert and tour dates, go to MelanieJVCharles.com. Ta-ta for now.